Oh, you guys are so beautiful. It's so fun to be with you. I'm, ex- I'm excited about this uh, Ephesians study. How many of you guys are enjoying going through Ephesians? Come on. This is one of my favorite books, and, uh, and I think Jason has just been killing it. I've been so blessed the last couple of weeks, and... Um, and it's just great. I did want to draw your attention to that we have been um, doing some half sheets um, so you can dig a little deeper with Ephesians and they're at the back table here underneath the clock. If you want to grab one of those on your way out, it has a couple of questions and just helps you to stay engaged with these scriptures as we're going through Ephesians. We're going to be continuing on through the book of Ephesians. So we have a few more Sundays. Um, and, uh, and so I encourage you to, you know, uh, use those, those uh, tools to help you stay engaged and to be able to inculcate these things. Also, I encourage you to be reading through Ephesians on your own. Um, it's amazing how, you know, layer upon layer, it really adds strength to strength. And it just goes deep when we add in uh, the scriptures that we're all looking at together as a family, and then you're doing it individually as you and Holy Spirit spend time, and, and, uh, and that God would just continue to write these things on our heart, and they would be more than just words, but they would become knowledge, and knowledge transformation, and transformation onto glory. Come on. How about that? All right, let's read through this scripture together. Here we go. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Come back. It's a super mystery. There we go. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And for this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, 
to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's a good word right there, isn't it? Now let me, let me, um, let me start right in the first part of this. First of all, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Now most of us, we read that and we think, yeah, I mean, that, that checks out. Paul spent a lot of time in prison. Uh, he just kind of got himself in trouble. Well, this is not hyperbole. He's not saying to the, to the Ephesians, hey, listen, guys, I'm in prison, and you know what? It's for you. It's for your good, you know, and it's just, you know, the Lord works at all the good. We're all good there. No, this is very, very specific, and I want to give you the backdrop as to why he's saying this, why he's saying, I, Paul, am in prison for Christ for you guys specifically. And where you can find that is in Acts chapter 21 and 22. Paul is coming back and he as, he, as he comes to the apostles, he runs into James and he starts sharing what God is doing amongst the Gentiles. He checks in with the, with the apostles and there's disciples, there's, there's essentially revival going on all, all over. Paul comes and he says, hey guys, check it out. Here's what's amazing. God has been saving Gentiles everywhere. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People are getting saved. They're coming into the kingdom. It's incredible. And James and the, the other apostles, they say, we know it's an extraordinary. In fact, Peter, he, he ran into these guys and the Lord was already pouring out the Holy Spirit on them. And then we knew that God wanted Gentiles in the kingdom. Isn't that extraordinary? They're like, yay, God's so cool. Yeah, look at what he's doing. This is awesome. And James and the apostles said, however, here in Jerusalem, the situation is that um, the, there's a lot of, of Gentiles getting saved, but there's also a lot of Jews that are getting saved. And so there's this incredible amount of people that, that have grown up in the laws of Moses, and now they understand that Jesus is fulfilling the law of Moses, but we also have those that are spreading rumors about you, Paul, that you are actually teaching against the law of Moses, and that you're anti-Judaism, and that you're anti-Moses, and you're basically just teaching everybody to become a bunch of heretics. And we need, to, we, need to, we need to quash those rumors. And so here's what we need you to do, Paul. While you're here, make sure and be an observant Jew. Go ahead and follow the Mosaic law. Go ahead and do all the things that we would do to show that the Christ is the fulfillment of the law and not opposed to it. That he's not coming here to tear down Judaism and disrespect the temple and all these different things. And uh, Paul says, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. And they said, in fact, here's the deal. We've got seven Jews who have just made vows and they're going to go through their seven days of purification. And, and so why don't you do this? Why don't you go ahead and take the vow with them and, um, and go through this process with them so that people will look and go, oh, there's nothing to these rumors. Paul isn't coming here to tear down um, what God is doing. In fact, he's, he's here and he's in with it. He's, he's wanting to see the kingdom come. He's not antagonistic. Okay, you guys with me? And so they're just about done doing that. And I'm going to take up here in Acts 20, uh, chapter 21. When the seven days were almost completed, there were Jews from Asia seeing him in the temple, and they stirred up the whole crowd, and they laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who's teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place, for they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So they basically grabbed a hold of Paul because they're like, what? That guy's way too good of friends with Ephesians, and he's bringing him into our temple, and he's ruined everything. In other words, this guy from this other culture, this unclean other person, got into our culture, and he's messing it up. 
And so they grab a hold of him and they start beating on Paul. This is, this is how it goes down. Aren't you guys glad we don't live in a time and a place where in order to be questioned, they just start flogging you so they can get to the truth? But that's literally what was happening is, hey, check it out. Siri is listening to me. Oh, now there's music happening. I feel like I want to, shh. Nope. All right, we'll just turn it down. There we go. Okay. Thank you, Siri. All right. So they grab a hold of Paul and they start beating on him. And then the guards get involved. They, they, pull him, they pull him out of the crowd and they chain him. It says they chained him with two chains, but at least they got him away from the crowd. But they're like, hey, you're getting beat up by an entire mob of people. You must have done something wrong. I love that, right? Guilty and tell proven innocent. So then Paul begins to address this crowd, this mob of Jews. And he, he puts his hand up and, he, and he's to silent to, for them to be quiet. Like, I'm going to speak, but he's bound with two chains. And he begins to speak in Hebrew to them. And so they hear that their native language, oh, he's speaking in Hebrew. Okay, well, at least listen. And so then he begins to tell them, listen, I'm not against the law. In fact, he says, I'm a Pharisee amongst Pharisees. I'm zealous for the law. I was so zealous for the law. In fact, I was so zealous for the law that I used to drag people that were believers in the way out of their homes and commend them to death. In fact, he continues on and he says, and when the blood of your witness, this is in Acts 22, and when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. Whoa. So Paul's basically saying like, listen, I'm as zealous for the law. Look at what I did in the name of the law. And he goes, but however, and he said to me, speaking of Jesus, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Paul's saying, I'm a witness that God told me to go to the Gentiles. At this point, they listened to him up to this statement. Then they raised their voices and said, away with this fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. How dare you say that God wants Gentiles to come into the kingdom? And they threw him in prison. So when Paul is saying to them, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, he's not just making a cute statement. He's saying, I'm literally in prison because I dared to be a witness that Jesus Christ came to save not just Jews, but also Gentiles. I am, and he's saying this, and I'm, and I'm unwilling to compromise that message to the point that I'm in prison. If I was willing to compromise that message, they wouldn't have put me in prison. Paul could have been like, you know what? No, 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 no. You guys are misunderstanding me. It's just for the Jews. <laughs> Salvation's just for the Jews. We're cool. We're cool. Sorry, Trophimus. This is too hard. No. He's in prison saying, I refuse to compromise the message that what God is doing is for all people, all that would choose. Isn't that amazing? So that's what the context of this letter is, is to the Ephesians saying, in fact, I'll just read now, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, this mystery. And now he's telling us what the mystery is. He's saying it used to be a mystery. Now it's not. He says this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of four different bodies and shares together in the myriad different promises in Jesus Christ. Is that? No, wait a minute. 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Where was that promise first made? To Adam and Eve, remember? It says, your seed will crush that snake's head, and that snake will bruise his heel. But he was talking about Christ, wasn't he? And now, Paul is referencing that same promise that we are now one body in Christ. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? And he continues to expound now. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So this really was hidden. This is amazing, right? This really was hidden. He says, he created all things, and his intent was that now, through the church, all right, turn to your neighbor and just say, through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, through us. All right? This is where we come in. All right? This is, get, get personal, Ephesians. All right? This is to the Ephesians, and this is to us. How many of you are, are actually uh, Jewish here in this house right now? One, two, two. Did I miss anybody else? All right. So thank God for you. Thank you for carrying the promises through you. Hallelujah. Christ came. Come on. Now all together, Christ has made us one body. So all the rest of you are unwashed Philistines. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> Why is nobody excited to be an unwashed Philistine? Filthy Gentile? What, what? I mean, what do I have to do to please you guys? I'm in it. <laughs> no, the point is that Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus came to make us one new person. We are the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. Amen? So here it is. It says, this was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, his intent was that now, say now, now. through the church. Are you hearing this? Now, through what? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What is he talking about? He's talking about the enemy of our soul. Now, we got to do a quick history lesson, and God helped me to do this succinctly. But I got to summarize this because this, honestly, without exaggeration, is everything. So here we go. All right, this is the gospel of the kingdom. This is what it's all about. And Paul is saying, listen, it used to be a mystery, but it's not anymore. God makes the angels. We are not created yet. And we know there was a particular angel. His name was Lucifer. His primary job was to gather the glories of God and bring them to him. How that works, let's ask him when we get there. But that was his job. And at one point, Lucifer decided, I don't like being dependent upon God, and I don't like the idea of bringing the glory to God. I would like to bring the glory to myself, and I would like to be independent of God. And he turned a third of the angels against God. And there was war, and God and the two-thirds of the angels cast Satan, Lucifer, our adversary, Satan means adversary, out of heaven, and the, two -thir and the third of the angels with him. Then God says, 
Let us make man in our image, male and female, he made them. And he planted a garden and he said, extend this culture that I've given you. He would walk with them in the cool of the evening. This culture that I've given you, I want you to extend this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to extend what we have, who I am and how you are and how we are together throughout the earth and fill it. Satan looks upon this and he says, oh, no, 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 God's not who you think he is. You need to get the things that you need independently of God. God himself put choice in the garden. How did he do that? In the tree. He gave them the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does it represent? The choice to choose or reject God. How many of you know without a choice, you cannot have a relationship, you cannot have love. God gave them the ability to love him or hate him. The ability to choose him or reject him. And Satan came and he deceived them. We know the story. In that moment, God spoke of Christ. Christ has now come and Paul is speaking to us of this mystery. But here's what I want you to catch. Satan came and said, God, I do not need you. I choose self-will and independence over dependence upon your character and your love. And I reject that. And I choose to be the God of my life and to be independent of you. And God decided, I will not only defeat the enemy, I won't do it directly, but rather, I will create man in my image and invite him into the superiority and the beauty of my love and character. And I will allow him to either choose or reject me. But in him choosing me and my character, as he decides, male and female, decides to be family with me, redeemed through Christ, as they decide to do this, to love me with all their heart and love their neighbor as much as I love them, in this I will defeat feet the accusations of Satan. They will share in my suffering and they will share in my glory and they will share because they choose to, not because they're forced to. And in this, I will redeem all things. And in this, I will defeat the enemy. And in this, you will share in my glory and my joy, not because I made you, but because you choose to, because I am good. You can't even hype this. Like, I can't hype this where you're like, oh man, you hype that. I can't hype it enough. It's everything. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, his, his intent was that now through the church, through what I just told you about, the called out ones, we are the body of Christ. We are the ones through whom he has chosen to show the manifold wisdom of God that it would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. When we are the church and the body of Christ and we live like God and we live with God and we love with each other and we live with each other and we love one another like he does, it actually does disarms the enemy. It shows the superiority of the gospel of the kingdom. It's everything. This is everything. And he's inviting us to do this eternally. This is why Jesus says things like this. When they see your love for one another, they will believe that my father actually sent me. Now, the enemy in this day and age tempts us to essentially go, yeah, 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 you got Jesus. He's your personal savior. He's your personal savior. You and him go out in the forest, flit around, <laughs> do it your way, right? And the world looks at that and goes, that's a garbage gospel. There is nothing special 
about your salvation message because I don't see you loving or living in any superior way to what I already do. Now you claim that with this, you would have eternal life through Jesus. But when you and I don't live as the body and family of Christ, completely interdependent on him and one another, we have no message. And in fact, I would say this, people are wise to reject our watered-down, foolish gospel that doesn't involve loving one another in covenant and showing the manifold wisdom of God. And you know why they're wise to reject it? Because all we're saying is, hey, don't you want to live forever like us in these shallow, broken, pathetic relationships forever? Come, let's have eternal life. Let's be petty and weak and pathetic and unloving and selfish and independent. Let's live forever like that. And they're like, I would rather honestly just die at the end of my life. Why would I want to do that forever? You have nothing special to offer. There's nothing supernatural about your love. And Paul's saying, that ain't our message. He's saying, this was a mystery, but God actually chose to make us the glory of God earth because of how we love and how we live and how we are dependent on one another. And that's what defeats the devil. And that's what shows the glory and the manifold wisdom of God. It's what we're doing. And it's so easy. (laughs) That's where love comes in. Now he says this, let me, let me just start here. Manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. Do you know that we're called to suffer with Christ? Do you know that we're called to share in his glory? They're, they're both part and parcel. They come together, all right? Let's accept that. Love means pain. It means you, you're, gonna, you're gonna bear each other's burdens. It means, that, it means I'm gonna go towards the pain, not away from it, amen? All right? But let's continue. Here we go. So how many of you, how many of you can buy into that vision that I just shared? The everything vision. The gospel of the kingdom. How many of you want to be a part of that? How many of you believe that's the truth? If if, if you believe that's the truth, I kid you not right now. If you believe that's the truth, then say, I believe that's the truth. All right, so we're, we're, we're in what accord here? That's good. We're in a good spot. So this is the compelling vision that we have is Jesus came. He adopted me into his family. I got to choose to be in his family, and now that I'm in his family, being in his family, and loving the people in his family, and being interdependent as a family, defeats the enemy, and actually creates a witness of what the gospel of the kingdom means, and what the kingdom actually looks like, and what we're seeing together, we're saying this part here goes on for eternity, amen? So it's worth it, okay? This gives the pain a purpose. How many of you have been married? Just raise your hand, okay? How many of you have been in a relationship with another human that you love? Raise your hand. Okay, so you understand that there's pain involved, right? There's pain involved. That's why we have to be encouraged because otherwise we run away from things. Like, this is really hard. This is really hard, and so I'm gonna do something else that seems easier. But here's the thing. First of all, it is hard, but it's worth it. 
Amen? It's worth it. So I just want, I just want to bring vision. This is what we're doing. It's not just like play nice. No, no, no. It's like uh, this is the everything part. This is the non-negotiable everything part. All right, so I feel like we're all on the same page. So here we go. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I have read this scripture many times, as as I'm sure you have too. And I have found that I have primarily read this scripture through the lens of my, for better or for worse, my Western perspective, which is incredibly ruggedly individual. Because honestly, admitting that I need you is quite dangerous because then I have to actually let you into my life and admit that I need you. And it would be much easier, honestly, to just be me and Jesus out in the fishing boat somewhere. You know, he's invisible, so it's easier to fake his part. And then I'm just always right. So when I've read this, then I've read, okay, he starts praying for me. Paul, pray, pray for me, Paul. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Okay, I like that. I like that, Paul. Strengthen me. With power through his spirit in your being. Ooh, yeah, in my being. My favorite subject, yes. I like it. Keep going, Paul. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Yes, my heart. Dwell in my heart, O Christ. And I pray that you, mm, so good, me, being rooted and established in love may have power. Oh, give me that power, God. Give me the power. Together. Whoa. Whoa, hold, hold up. Hold up. What? With all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What I want to draw your attention to is that this whole prayer is not for an individual. This whole prayer is predicated on together. One body. None of this prayer is for us to be independent. All of this prayer is that we would be interdependent and completely dependent upon God. And, wh- and, it, go- and it gets better, okay? Worse if you want to be independent, but you're already hurting if you want to be independent, so let's just go on what's positive. On the dependence of God and the interdependence one with another, what he's saying is, I'm praying that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you all with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, all of you, through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. What is this saying? And it says, in fact, it goes on to say, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is saying that the only way that we can actually know God and be filled with the fullness of who he is, is together. You cannot know him and the fullness of who he is. You cannot see the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of Christ apart from together. We can only see the fullness of God when we are together in that. Let me put it like this. Each of you is carrying a beautiful facet of the character of God. 
Each of you is uniquely gifted and representing part of who God is. And he is not going to use that so that you can make me more well-rounded so that I can be self-sufficient. Like, I already got that. Or like, teach me your ways. Okay, got it. Cool. Don't need you anymore. What do you got? What do you know? What's he like? Okay, cool. Got it. Don't need you anymore. Go ahead and give me that class. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lay hands on me. Perfect. Can I have your mantle? Great. I want your mantle. Give me the mantle. I got the mantle. Charismatic's in the house. Come on. Can you, can you give me your mantle? I'm still using my mantle. Uh, you know. <laughs> give it to me anyway. I don't want to need you. No, it's saying this. I will always need you. Let me say it like this. If our desire is self-sufficiency, then we're not in the will of God. That's not how he brings it. I am utterly dependent upon all of you to be a part of the family. Just the other day, I went out to get a breather. I was preparing for this message and I stepped out in the street and I looked down and there was a toe just hopping down the street. And I was freaked out. I jumped back. I'd never seen anything like it. You guys aren't believing this story. I'm a pastor. You pay me to believe me. Of course you don't believe that story. Why don't you believe that that toe was hopping down the street? Because the minute that toe gets cut off, it ceases to do anything. It's dead, isn't it? What happens when you cut an appendage off, okay? Well, my beautiful little toes and fingers and ears, what are you when you're cut off from the body? You are immediately dying. You can't move anymore. You are no longer part of the manifold wisdom of God. You are no longer destroying the works of the enemy. You are no longer showing the glory of Christ. You are showing the independence of the adversary. And you are cut off from life and the fullness of God. Ouch, say ouch. All right, but when you and I are interdependent, we are fully alive and we are demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God and we are able to see the height and the breadth and the width and the depth of of his love. Do you see that? And here's what's crazy is I need you because without you, I actually don't know a specific facet of God's character, of who he is. Do you see that? She needs you in my life because, because when I know you, I know him better. How does that work in real time? Well, how that works in real time is that we continue, continue in relationship and I begin to recognize the value that you're carrying. I begin to say, okay, for instance, when, when I need to embrace more mercy, One of the people that I like, there's a couple people I'll talk to, and this isn't the only thing that they carry, but I have to say it's something they carry a lot of. If I'm lacking in mercy, you know, then I want to talk to Mike Kaiser. I want to talk to Paul Nunn. These guys are like stalwart mercy givers. They drive me crazy. I'm like, you know what? There's a part in the Bible that says just hand them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh and hopefully save their soul, and I'm there. I'm there. Let's just hand them over to Satan. Let Satan do our heavy lifting. This is too much work. It's painful. Well, then a day like that, I know what I need to do. Well, I'll at least ask Paul and Mike what they think we should do. And then after spending some time with them, God reminds me, like, my mercies are new every morning. Like, you know, God reminds me, like, hey, I'm not fond of handing people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. It's not my first move. It's not even my fifth move. Like, fine, God but I need those guys in my life, okay? Are you with me? I'm exaggerating, by the way. 
I mean, I won't hand you over to Satan like in the first move. <laughs> Sorry. I guess those that would joke around about mercy probably don't have as much as they think, right? Is that, is that how that works? If I want to see the administrative beauty of God, you notice this, right? Paul's talking about the administration of God's grace, right? Administration, the gift part of God that aligns things so that life can flow, where we take the vision of God and then we actually administrate it. Like, you're here right now and the lights are on and the seats are comfortable and the children are being cared for because of the administration of God, all right? And I praise Jesus. And when I need to know how to get from here to there, you know, I like to go and talk to like Karen Revis or Janelle Wallace. Like how do we, I need to tap into the part of God that is gonna make sure that this thing goes from just a really cool idea and some great emotional feelings that I've got, which, I mean, come on, those are always right. It's always correct. Um, But I wanna make sure it goes beyond that. I'm gonna go tap into that facet of God's personality that just shines through those two, and others. And this isn't the only thing that they have to offer, obviously, but it's something they really do carry as a gift in the body. When I need to tap into a part of God where, I mean, quite frankly, um, I am tempted to want to understand everything about God. I just do, I'm just so tempted by that. Like, oh Lord, if I could just fit you into my tiny little head, in my tiny little brain, which is inside of my tiny little head, and if you could just, if I could just fit you into that, it'd be so good for me and everyone else. But you know what? He refuses to do it. And the truth is, when I start to feel like I really have got a, like, I feel solid, like, I got this life thing worked out. It's really, I like to go and spend some time with, like, Josh Gillette or Jessica Kalashnikov or Wendy Bearden. These, like, these, like, wild lovers of God that are just like, how big is he? Like, how much more of him could we discover? Like, like, We know he's huge and he wants us to know him, but he's so eternally huge. It's gonna take like forever and we'll have just tapped into like this much of him. So how much of that, how much heaven could we get into this minute? How much God could we get into this experience? Like these guys challenge me to look at the vastness and the mystical, mysterious romance of God. Are you with me? And and it's not that I become that. It's that I am influenced by that and I come into contact with God. I actually commune with God by communing with them. Do you see that? And that's what this means. It's, it means that it's only together as we depend on one another and actually love one another and, and, and move forward in covenant with one another that we actually show what the gospel of the kingdom is that we show the manifold wisdom of God. And then he says, and everything that you're doing here is carried on forever. That's what we carry on into the kingdom forever. It goes on and on and on. Do you see that? There, there are these relationships. And, and, so, and, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're, that's what we're showing. That's what we're working together through. That's why we forgive. That's why we practice hospitality. That's why we practice covenant relationship, vulnerability and transparency and honesty and humility and repentance. We walk together because we know that to cease to walk together is to cease to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to begin to preach the adversary's gospel, which is your way, your independent way. 
Can you receive that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Turn to another neighbor and say, you remind me of God. (laughs) Think about this. Without others in your life, each person represents a part of God that you'll never know. If I don't know you, there's a part of God I do not yet know. And he will not give it to me directly. Because he has chosen to show his manifold wisdom by us being one body. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your manifold wisdom. We thank you for Jesus. Ah, Jesus, you're our hero. Thank you for coming and redeeming us and pulling us in and adopting us into your family. Father, thank you. Thank you for so showing up the devil. He thought he was so smart. And not only did you whoop him, Lord, but you humiliated him. And you're letting us share in that by loving each other, by committing in covenant relationship, Lord by valuing things in one another that we do not yet understand, we show the superiority of your love. Wow. Today, if there's anyone here, and you might have realized just now, you may have just heard the gospel preached in a fuller way or understood it. Let me say it like this. You may have just understood the gospel in a fuller way than you ever did before, and you're realizing, I haven't responded to this before. I didn't realize the choices that I had. I didn't realize this was an option for me. And you're saying today, Lord, I want to choose you back. I want to be, be adopted into your family. I want to receive the gift of salvation and the adoption of being your son or your daughter. I want to respond to that and learn how to love and learn your ways and be a part of your body. And if that's you today, today's your day. Today's your day. If that's, if that's you today, you can simply say, God, that's me. That's me. And I want to be adopted by you. I will forsake these other ways I used to do it and I'll come follow you. And if that's you today, when the prayer servant team comes, I want you to come up and let them pray with you and say, that's me. That is me. And if that's you, today's a beautiful day. Today's a beautiful day to get adopted by dad. I can vouch for him. He is awesome. Lord, we love you. Amen. Prayer servant team, please come forward.